Hello, 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 and welcome to the 28th episode of Mixed Media Reviews. My name is Kelsey, and today I'll be talking about a book. This week's book is Legendborn by Tracy Dion. Legendborn is yet another book that has been very popular on Bookstagram, and it's also yet another book that I was very hesitant about. But I love urban fantasies, and I figured I will just check it out. Uh, If you don't know what an urban fantasy is, it is a fantasy set in our world instead of creating an entirely new world. Hold on, my cat just jumped up and is trying to drink my water. He is such a turkey. He just always just has to put his paw in my cup of water. Doesn't fail. Every time. (laughs) Um, What? Oh, an urban fantasy. So an urban fantasy takes place in our world instead of creating like an entirely new world. Like Lord of the Rings is considered high fantasy. Um, This book would be more an urban fantasy set in our world, but with fantastical elements. I had no idea what this book was about besides the general genre, but I thought the cover looked pretty cool. On the front, we see a young woman, her arms forming a loose circle in front of her with one arm above one, one arm (laughs) above and one arm below. Each arm has swirls of color rising off. Uh, like flame. Red on the arm above seems to kind of wrap around it, while the blue on her lower arm seems to be coming off her skin like steam. The red and blue colors reflect in her curls and on her face, where she stares right at you with big brown eyes. Legendborn floats between her hands, the O containing a star and gemstone in the middle. This episode will have some spoilers, but I'll try to keep them to minor portions. Of course, be warned, as always, if you have not read the book yet. From the inside dust jacket, the summary reads, After her mother dies in an accident, 16-year-old Bree Matthews wants nothing to do with her family memories or or childhood home. (laughs) A residential program for bright high schoolers at UNC Chapel Hill seems like the perfect escape until Bree witnesses a magical attack her very first night on campus. A flying demon feeding on human energies. A secret society of so-called legend-born students who hunt the creatures down and a mysterious teenage mage who calls himself a Merlin and who attempts, and fails, to wipe Bree's memory of everything she saw. The mage's failure reveals Bree's own unique magic and a buried memory with a hidden connection. The night her mother died, another Merlin was at the hospital. Now that Bree knows that there's more to her mother's death than what's on the police report, she'll do whatever it takes to find out the truth even if that means infiltrating the legend born as one of their initiates. She recruits Nick, a self-exiled legend born with his own grudge against the group, and their reluctant partnership pulls them deeper into the society's secrets and closer to each other. But when the legend born reveal themselves as the descendants of King Arthur's knights and explain that a magical war is coming, Brie has to decide how far she'll go for the truth and whether she should use her magic to take down the society or join the fight. Also, my AC is now on, so if you hear some humming in the background, I'm sorry, but I live in the desert, and it's very hot outside. (laughs) So what did I like about this book? I, I absolutely loved everything about this book. I couldn't put it down. It took me about a week to read it because I kept reading it during the day as well. I really love the world building that Dion did for this book. Like I mentioned, it's set in our world, but she still was able to create such a rich and magical place. The way she was able to tie in the King Arthur myths and really kind of build a world and a society around it was just really well done. 
It felt so new and fresh. I really loved that curse show that was on Netflix because it also felt like a new take on an old legend. But of course that got canceled because Netflix is Netflix. Anywho, Dion's new take on Arthur was wonderful and I loved all the little pieces that she included. I'll talk more about this later. For a debut novel, I thought her writing was really well done. There are little things I'll say in the critique section, but overall I thought it was really captivating. She was able to describe the scenes really well so that I could picture it easily. I don't remember ever getting lost. The way she talked about the magical elements made sense, and it gave me a way to picture it in my head very clearly. Her characters all seemed pretty unique and real. The dialogue mostly felt real and wasn't clunky. Overall, it was pretty well done, especially for a debut novel. Part of that great writing was the ease in which she created a diverse cast of characters. I mean, yes, based on the society, of course, the majority of them were white, but she didn't just end it there where she easily could have. We have a non-binary character, we have gay characters, and I appreciate that it felt effortless to include them. They weren't characters who happened to be gay or non-binary, but they were characters who had their own thoughts and feelings and stories outside of that aspect. And to me, that's what makes it feel effortless. They are just characters who happen to be this or that, but they are characters on their own. I really like that we kind of just jump right into the action. There wasn't a whole lot of buildup to get there. We get some backstory on Brie, her mother's car accident, how she was dealing with it, but then we're getting right to the action, literally in the first chapter. There's a lot of ground to cover in this book, so I like that we get thrown right in. It sets the pace for the entire book, and it doesn't start off slow and then explode, but instead it's a pretty constant speed throughout the book, with small breaks in between. And I really liked that. I felt like I was right there with Brie, my world changing before my eyes and just kind of being thrown into everything. There's not a lot of time to freak out or even take it all in because there are things to do and people to take down. While I did really like Brie and Nick's dynamic, I think I grew to love Brie and Cell's dynamic even more. They cracked me up numerous times and I had a feeling that their chemistry would grow as the book would go on. I mean, that first meeting is pretty epic. They had to. He's just too cool for nothing to happen out of it. I mean, I appreciate that we didn't get a full-on love triangle because those can be super tiring. So I like that it isn't really a love triangle. I'd totally be cool with Brie and Cell just being buddies the whole time, but I'm really looking forward to their relationship growing, which again could be purely platonic and I'd be okay with that because Brie and Nick are pretty cute. I like that the triangle is more her just becoming kind of friends with him and Nick is like nah he's not as cool as you think and Brie is like well you didn't see him leaning against that tree that night in the quarry because that was pretty cool and that's pretty much it and also maybe taking a peek at him shirtless but for sure that's it while I really enjoyed the magic we see from the mages in the King Arthur world can we just talk about how that's not the only form of magic <laughs> I really loved this aspect of the book that it's the thing in the world that exists, and different people and cultures see it and treat it differently. I love the juxtaposition that Dion creates between the Order of the Round Table's use of magic, binding it to themselves and keeping it as their own, versus Rootcraft, calling on ancestors to borrow it, asking for permission to use it. I love the different ideologies that we get to see. Of course, there are numerous versions of how to use the magic, 
And that makes so much sense. It's not something that I think I've really encountered in stories with magic before. It's the usual light versus dark magic kind of talk. I mean, this sort of has that in an abstract way, but it's more than just light versus dark. It's not really the same way to manipulate the magic. It's different verbiage and ways of seeing how it works. It feels like different systems drawn from the, say, pardon me for saying it, root or foundation. And it makes sense that we would see one group of people latch onto it and try to use it in a more selfish way, while another group would revere it and use it only when necessary and in respectful ways. I also really like the way Bree discovers both of these worlds. For the Order, it was very violent and dangerous and overwhelming, being basically thrown into the battle. Whereas Rootcraft, it was literally with a therapist in a safe setting around nature, and it was more about connecting with the past and her ancestors in a more general sense, instead of fighting for her life. I also, I don't want to say loved or liked, because while I, I did, I also hated it, but like in a good way, maybe I respect or appreciate, but those are also wrong. So I'll just say it was solid writing when we discover Bree's ancestors and her connection to both worlds. I don't want to go into too much detail for spoilers, but I think, unfortunately, it makes a lot of sense. And it is messy and horrific because, of course it is, because the history of this country is also messy and horrific. And it makes sense to capture that in this book. Dion has an author's note at the end where she talks about how therapeutic this book was for her. For a few reasons. One of them is kind of spoilery, so I don't want to mention it here. But the other reason she lists is kind of addressing the intergenerational trauma experienced between parents and children, along with racial trauma, oppression, and resilience. And honestly, that makes a lot of sense. To use your writing as a form of therapy, to help you kind of make sense of the world around you. This is not a critique at all, obviously, that's why it's not in the critique section, and because I genuinely understand the need or want to be able to use your writing in this way. But it must be exhausting as a person of color, as a black person, to read these types of books. Understandably, when writing a book that takes place in our world, there's a level of realism the author is trying to portray, and the experiences of their life is absolutely inspiration for these books. But I think every single book I've read recently where there is a BIPOC main character, there has been this inclusion of racial trauma to some extent. Again, I get it because that's just the real experience, unfortunately, but I would love to be able to read a story in which that wasn't around every corner. Obviously, it's not at all on the same level or the same playing field. But if every book I read with a Jewish character was about anti-Semitism, I know it would be incredibly exhausting for me personally. I'd want to read books with Jewish characters who are just able to live their life and just exist without anything, you know, negative because of who they are. It's also part of the reason why watching or reading books set in a more medieval setting, even if completely fictional like Game of Thrones, can be incredibly exhausting as a woman because every single one of them has to have a woman who has been like trigger warning, I guess, uh, sexually assaulted. It's like a meet cute in rom-coms. It's just not a fantasy if it doesn't have sexual assault. And while, yeah, that definitely happened in those times, 
it feels like a complete in a completely fictional fantasy world it doesn't need to happen i mean game of thrones isn't based in reality it's in a completely different world it's not even on earth and yet and yet it can be exhausting I know reading about different experiences can help with empathy. There are studies about it, for sure. It's why it's important young boys read books with young girls as the main character. It's why it's important to read books with people who are different from you and who have different experiences from you. And again, I'm not saying that I don't like reading these kinds of books, and maybe it's hard to separate those two things. Maybe writing a book set in any world, fictional or otherwise, would feel less real to the reader and to the author if it didn't contain racism in some form. Obviously, I'm not from that world and I don't experience those same interactions or deal with those same repercussions. And I could be, and I probably am, speak way outside of my lane here. All I know is that in my position, I would very much like to read books where Jews are just Jews and we don't have to deal with all kinds of hatred and bigotry in every story. But I also get that it could be incredibly cathartic reading those types of books about standing up and against your oppressors. Obviously, books based on the Holocaust that I read are not as uplifting in that sense because of everything that happens. Um, But I could certainly understand wanting to read things where you have characters standing up for themselves in in those kinds of ways, in ways that you maybe are unable to do in your own life. I don't know. This is kind of tangential, and obviously, again, not a, it's just a thought, I guess, that I'm having. Let me, let me know your thoughts. Maybe I'm just reading the books that have this, and there's a whole pool of books I could be choosing from that choose to focus and amplify voices without this aspect and again I'm not trying to say there's anything wrong I also like not like but like I I read these books and it makes me feel right like that's the point of it is for me to experience these way things in a way that I typically don't experience day to day and I'm sure a lot of people who are also white like me uh, can read these books and obviously it's not targeted at us as an educational resource, but it's something for people to kind of understand if they don't experience these types of things every single day. But I also just can't imagine how exhausting it must be to have those experiences and then also read about them in a fiction or a fantasy world. Anyway, last thing to talk about in this section is that I love the ending of the book. And while there were things I had kind of guessed a little bit, It was still really fantastic and still had some twists I wasn't expecting. I can't wait for her second book, uh, Bloodmarked, to come out on November 8th, 2022. I immediately pre-ordered the book. I think I even did it before I finished the book. (laughs) I'm very sad that we'll have to wait for the conclusion for another few months, but I am so looking forward to it. The ending was quite the cliffhanger, of course, and I'm really excited about where she's going to be going with it simply outstanding. I mean, chef's kiss kind of an end to a book. Uh, To be kind of general and not specific, and you can certainly skip to the next section if that makes you worried, but I really, really loved where Brie was at at the end of Legendborn. Like, what a poetic and, like, 
justifying, satisfying way to go. <laughs> Just so freaking good. Oh, I loved it. For critiques, um, also AC is back on, so sorry about that. Um, I do have a couple of critiques. They're pretty minor though, um, but they're just a smattering. My first is about the writing. Uh, like I said before, I think she did freaking amazing with this book and everything was, that was my cat scrambling up. Um, everything was so good that the very few things I do have to say about it were like nothing uh, to me. And I still gave this book like six out of five stars because I was in love with it. However, I will say that at times the writing could get a little over descriptive or flowery. A little too many metaphors or similes popping up here and there. Perhaps the editor could have helped rein it in a little bit, but just a little bit. Not enough for me to knock a star off or even a portion of a star, but enough to make me pause a few times, especially when she used dialogue tags like they growl or she spits. This may be more of a personal preference than in anything, really, uh, because this is pretty common in a lot of writing, but for me, I greatly dislike those types of tags. It always makes me think it reads more fanfiction-y or something. Again, probably just a personal preference, but I am not a fan of them. Luckily, she didn't use them super often, but still not digging it. Along with that, I think that sometimes the characters didn't always feel separate and that their voices didn't always feel completely unique. Again, it wasn't anything too jarring or glaring or very frequent. Just occasionally it would pop up and I would second guess whether or not that character felt like it was saying something they would say. I don't know. I think you understand what I would mean. <laughs> Um, last thing to say was the nicknames. They really confused me. Like everyone had a three-letter nickname and it was weird. Some made sense. Selwyn became Sel. That checks out. But Sarah became Sar? Sar? Sarah? Which is just weird. I, my sister's name is Sarah and I would never just call her Sarah. It's odd. And Evan became Ev, which is two letters, but whatever. And I, I don't know. It just felt... A little off, I guess. I was kind of surprised that Nick with a K didn't become N-I-C with no K, or Brie with two E's didn't become Brie with one E. I felt a little too heavy-handed, I think, like trying to force familiarity on people so we knew that they all knew each other really well. Again, this isn't a huge thing, but it was a little odd on times when it would first pop up, like the Sarah thing. I don't get it. Obviously, I recommend this book uh, a thousand times. It has easily become my number one read this year, replacing Firekeeper's Daughter, which is hard to do because I was in love with that book as well. That being said, I do love myself a fantasy, and this book was freaking perfect, except for those like three things I said. But again, those weren't enough to really change my opinion of the book. I'm definitely looking forward to Tracy Dion's sequel, which I believe this is just a duology, though would not be mad if we got a little bit more. Uh, Bloodmark again comes out November 8th of this year, just a little over five months away, and I cannot wait, you guys. I'll certainly be keeping an eye out for any other future novels that she puts out there, because again, I loved her writing style for the most part, uh, and I think it'll only get better as she continues to write more. 
And there you have it. Those are my thoughts on Legend Born by Tracy Dion. Thank you so much for joining me. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Mixed Media Reviews Podcast. And you can also find me anywhere you find your podcasts, probably. Please join me next week where I will review a TV show uh, because I am back on track and that is the order of how these things go. I know you guys are probably tired of me not really having a plan, <laughs> but I think I want to do a deep dive into Teen Wolf, specifically season three next week. Um, I've pretty much just been watching or rewatching Degrassi and I'm almost done with it, uh, the portions that I hadn't actually seen yet, but I haven't finished it yet and I don't even know if that deserves an entire episode. Um, maybe I can think of something else I've watched recently and do uh, an episode about that, but I think the Teen Wolf deep dive could be really fun. Um, or I could do a catch up with Superman and Lois. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Um, okay. Well, have a wonderful rest of the day. Bye.